Okay, do you have Luke 9, beginning in verse 57? Oh, I got my help coming on. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, remember this guy comes up to Jesus. Verse 58, Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the, have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now this is Jesus talking to somebody else. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. He replied, no man who has put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Father, I pray you have your way. Be with my voice. Lord God, be with my um, physical being and allow me to bring forth your word as you want me to. In your name, amen. Greet one another one more time with the love of the Lord. prior to your being seated. <clears throat> this morning, I'm not going to be really speaking on Christmas. This Christmas day, I have a Christmas sermon. Make every effort to be here. I believe it's going to be a very, very enlightening Christmas message. Today, though, it's going to be Christmas kind of a message, but in a roundabout way, coming through left field, and you'll see near the end, dealing with being a light, as I mentioned there in your pastor's pen. But the title of my sermon is Hard Love or Hardly Love. Okay? Hard Lover or Hardly Love. Now, here in this portion of Scripture, okay, Jesus is told, I'm going to I'm going to follow you by three individuals, but first, somebody has once said, if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all, and that's the theme of the basis of this message, okay? I will, Jesus, but first. You know what that's saying? That's saying that there's something else that's first and foremost above Jesus, and let me just tell you and mention to you, if you don't know it by now, our God is a jealous God. He will have no other gods before him. He has to be first. It's important to him that he's first. But we're going to find it out today in Scripture why that's so important and how it's really not, you know, uh, uh, not wrong, but it's actually correct and right that he would be first in our lives. See, my friend, here the would-be, wannabe disciples that he's encountered here in the story in Luke 9, they had a divine impulse that was created within their inner life. They say, I will, Jesus, I will follow you. In other words, there's a divine impulse. There's something good stirring up within them. Something of a, of a grand emotion had struck these individuals' hearts for them to be able to utter what they did. They'd also been divinely touched by the call of God upon their lives, and they knew it. And somehow, they received this, 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 uh, this divine impulse to follow God. Okay, and once they receive this call from God, they agree. They agree to follow God. They say, I want to do that. I will follow you, Jesus. See, God calls them and says, okay, I'm going to do that. They were responding to, to their moral conscience, to a higher calling, which all of us have received at one time or another. 
Because there's something very, very purposeful about serving God. There's something really meaningful about serving the Lord. That's what was happening here. These individuals were responding to something, like I said, chivalrous, something bigger than themselves. That's what the call of God involves. Okay? Something that'll grab you. You know, the, the vision of our ministries, it's a grabber. It's a grabber. Uh, because it's something chivalrous. We're called to the inner cities of the world to go plant churches, disciple individuals, and to get people off drugs and their families restored. I mean, it's a very, very chivalrous call. It's a grabber. The call to Christianity is a grabber to get you out of your mere existence of a life into something chivalrous, something that's going to be courageous. Uh, this is what Christianity is. It takes courage to be a Christian. Not just, like I've said before, not just no shasha can serve God. Not just no sissy can serve the Lord. Uh, it's a call for something bigger than ourselves. So these individuals, their first impulse was to say yes to the Lord. I'm going to follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. This means, my friend, that their heart and their conscience had gotten a hold of them and told them to follow Jesus Christ. This was quite an opportunity for each and every one of them. What an offer. What potential. Again, what an opportunity these individuals had. Something, you know, from deep inside of them was telling them to follow. It was a divine first impulse. What was it? Divine first impulse. <clears throat> now, today I'm going to, usually I like to run around and get crazy. I'm not going to do that today. I'd be crazy if I did uh, because I'm not feeling that good. So I'm going to be slowing down a little bit. But what, what a sermon to me to, to slow down on. Because this is the one I really, really, I wanted to get this across to each and every one of us. Okay, was the divine, what? First impulse. See, that godly impulse was alive and well and living within the heart of these men. But then the butt butts in. But then the butt butts in. I will follow you, but. <clears throat> Soul train, but. <clears throat> ay, ay, ay. I will follow you, but first. Now, see, obedience to that impulse is not going to be put on hold. It's delayed. It's told to wait. While their you know, attention is placed elsewhere, preference and priority must be given elsewhere. Did you hear what I said? Their preference and their priority is given elsewhere instead of Jesus. Uh, I'll go with you, Jesus, but, you know, I, I first need, I first must go say goodbye to my family. I first got to go bury my father. But first, uh, I must, I need to. Wow. See how all good and well that sounds and seems. My family, my father. Certainly you have to understand, Jesus. But the reply of Christ is this. And it's important that we understand what I'm saying right here. The reply of Jesus is, at your peril, no. For your own good, no. 
That sounds a bit harsh. Hard. That's not right. My dad, who raised me, my family, who, who took care of me. We're going to learn some stuff here today. Why Jesus should be first. Why it's so important. Above my family, hey, don't worry about it. Uh, see, in intending to follow Jesus, I, 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 they're, they're saying, I intend to follow you, Jesus, but first, I have, you know, I, I got to go take care of my father. Surely you understand that, Jesus. Again, at your peril, no. For your own good, Jesus says, no. What do you mean, no, Jesus? That's my dad. That's my family you're talking about. It seems a little bit harsh, a bit too much. See, I, you mean I can't go bury my dad? Uh, that's not right. And that would seem to be true. Come on, Jesus. I think you're going a bit too far. Uh, here, I know. You're getting out of line, Jesus. That's what, really what they're saying here. You went a bit too far here. It seems like that's right. It seems so inconsiderate. It seems so severe. But is it really? Uh, is it really? All right, ready, Reuben? Come here. Illustrated sermon. And let me just tell you, some of you don't know Reuben's testimony, I do. He comes from L.A. sort of, via Tijuana, La Coahuila. <laughs> you didn't know I know about that stuff. Uh, Rosarito, his family, they were the, the, the mayor of Rosarito, got one of the biggest houses of Rosarito, but you don't know that. And he was more than a black belt. See, I've heard about your knuckles. I've never touched your knuckles. But I heard about your knuckles. And finally, finally now, I, I, now I feel them. This guy was a, he used to fight uh, in the ring, but not, not, not to box. This was real, real stuff. So, I know what I'm doing here, I think. <laughs> so, this is what I'm dealing with. You pray for me? He's standing right here. Look at this. No, I said you're not supposed to. Oh, sorry. Okay. Rewind the tape, please. You want to feel my knuckles? <laughs> now, what I did, doesn't that, that seem hard and harsh? But what if a car was coming? That's really love. That's love. With flesh on it, hallelujah. Uh, if a car was coming, that would be, that would be uh, you know, a, a token of my love, an expression of love. Uh, so it, it, sometimes it, it seems a little bit hard. Reuben, leave Los Angeles. Get out of L.A. It's no good for you. You got to get out of there. Get, get, get some place for you. Up to Northern California. See, that was love when he came. That was love shoving him out of L.A. Bring him up here where he didn't hardly know anybody. Uh, but it's for your own good. At, for your good, no. 
You can't stay in L.A. At your peril, no. Get out of here. Uh, see, love sometimes can look harsh, a bit, a bit harsh, but it's not. And that was what Jesus was doing here, okay? That, he, you know, he, he was saying to these guys, no. Due to their own peril, due to their own demise, no. Christ knew that if they went and went to bury their father, went to say bye to their family, he knew if they went, listen to me, they might not return. I'm dealing with first, divine first impulse. That's what we're dealing with here today. Your promptings, inner promptings, the call of God upon your life. Uh, the best thing for them was to follow their first impulse, which was to follow Jesus. Plain and simple. No questions asked. Period. Ours is not the reason why, soldier. Ours is what to do or die. No questions asked. But first let me. No, no, you can't. No. You, you, you shouldn't do it. Just follow. Just do it. It's for your own good. It's for the good of other people as well. It's for your best interest. Though you might not understand it right now. Uh, that's why sometimes men and women in the home, when they leave the home prematurely, but I got to go take care of my family. No. Not right now. But my children. No. Not right now. At your own, for your own good, for their own good, at your peril. No. Prematurely. Think about that word. You're not mature enough yet. Uh, you don't want your husband to go back right now. Wait till he gets mature. He might know how to kiss, but that's something else. That's physical stuff. How about the spiritual? The most important things. The most important things. You say no to the devil. Bet you he can't do that. Uh, because he's proven it. She's proven it. Uh, are you with me? Uh, so he, here today, we need to understand that sometimes love can be harsh. Do you understand that? It can be hard. It might push you, but there's a train coming, and you can't see that. See, Christ is telling us that nothing should supersede or come against our first impulse. Our divine first impulse should be number one. Nothing should come in the way of our association and relationship with Christ. That relationship between God and I, you and God, should be first. But let me bury my dad first. No, said Jesus. Uh, go with your first impulse. Uh, the call of God upon your life. That's, that's way more important. See, your godly impulses, your godly desires, your godly inclinations, what you want to do for God and God do through you, this should take priority in your life. These are promptings that you get. That's why the reason I've chosen this sermon here for today is because <clears throat> twice a year, God himself testifies to the world. He illuminates to the world. He calls them. And it's always Easter and Christmas. But during Christmas season, you, have, you couple it with New Year. When everybody's making new 
New Year resolutions. And you get these impulses. And Christmas, uh, I should be a better person. Maybe even a Christian. Uh, and then you get the New Year's resolution. Oh, yes. These divine impulses, they happen right now. The Bible says, neglect not the assembling of the saints together as is the custom of some. You know what that means? Go to church. But some people, they go to church Christmas and Easter. They're the holiday. They, oh, here I am. Uh, their custom is going to church twice a year. I would rather your custom, I'd rather you stay home on Christmas and Easter and come the other 50 weeks. As is a custom of some. But let's go on. I don't want to meddle here. Hallelujah. Uh, precedence and priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, we really can't say why, you know, why Jesus responded like this to these individuals. But for sure, listen to this, for sure he saw something in them that called for, a, for love's hardness. For sure he saw something in them that he had to, it called for love's harshness in their lives. No, what do you mean no? He had to be hard. Sometimes, you know, love has to be hard. Uh, man, if I wouldn't get on your case every now and then, that means I don't love you. Uh, why is Pastor Steve calling again? Uh, I can't let you get away with murder. And I'm talking about murdering yourself. Your own soul. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? No, no, no. Sometimes love has to be, go to the shed. I'll be there right now. For your own good. Let me see the belt. Uh, maybe these guys, okay, these individuals, these men, maybe they had been caught up too much with material things. And they paid very little attention to the eternal. Only God knows that. But now, right now, 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 Jesus sees them responding to his call. Now they're getting a bit open to the important things of God. Maybe he saw a spark of hope in them. It's Christmas. Ooh. It's the holiday, holiday cheer. Maybe he saw something that was a spark stirring up with inside of them that they didn't have before. Because it's Christmas. Because it's the New Year's. I want to start off fresh. Maybe he, you know, maybe he wants to push them in the right direction. Because it's for their own good and for the good and the benefit of others. Maybe it was time to push them in the right direction. We don't know, but God does. Why he treated them like he did. You might say he mistreated them. No, he treated them well. See, Christ knew exactly how long this impulse would last. Or should I rather say, how short this impulse would last. That might be the most important statement in this entire sermon. But I just said, so I'm going to repeat it. Maybe it's a good thing I got a little ill this week. I'm going to go a little slow. Maybe he knew how long this impulse would last, or maybe he, in other words, he knew how short this impulse would last. Timing is everything. In athletics, timing means a lot. In spirituality, it means even more. In Christianity, timing. Jesus would say, my time has not yet come. He knew how long this impulse 
would be around. It might just be for a short time. Uh, like many times when individuals come into our homes, I've seen them. It could be their first door to eternity or their last door. They go out and they're no longer around. We just got word the other day, a guy that had been in the home a month, the coroner's office came here to us and said, has this man been in your home? Uh, he died right over here on Tennyson. See, Jesus knew how long or how short that impulse was going to last. If permission was given to go bury their father, to go visit their family, so would their impulse, their opportunity, be buried as well. Here lies opportunity. Remember a sermon I preached it many years ago? Here lies opportunity. He didn't make it because nobody would take it. Uh, he knew that. Christ knew that with these individuals, okay, these two guys, by them putting off their godly impulse, it meant death and destruction to that impulse. In other words, Elvis Presley, is now or never. That's really what it amounts to. I wasn't titled this song, Is Now or Never, but I can't sing right now. Huh? In other words, he had to do it now. He knew that window of opportunity that lasted in these individuals' lives. Some of you here this morning, Is Now or Never. It's the call of God upon your life. To the courageous, chivalrous, responsibility that will be given to you to be a Christian, to live for God the rest of your life, to make a difference, not only in your life, but in everybody else that you reach and touch, all those that know you. Uh, see, postponement meant forget about it in their lives. Jesus knew that. Postponement meant East Coast, forget about it. It's over. It's too late. Uh, that divine impulse would be quenched. Following Jesus must be first, above everything else, everything, father and even family. See, church, that's how important a divine impulse can be, where it can even take precedence and priority even over your family for right now. Not later on, but for now. Just for that frame of moment of time. It seems real hard. He that has not left family and friends and fathers is not fit for the kingdom of God. That seems so harsh. But I, I mean, my family at least has me now. They don't see me all the time. I got to go pick up my mother and put her in the trunk and bring her up here. <coughs> my wife, she knows. <clears throat> but at least they have me. God knows that. They didn't have me before. I probably would have died. I OD'd nine times. I thank God I went to the home and stayed 26 and a half months until my wife wanted to marry me. But I tried to be obedient. It was important that I stayed every, to the very last hour that I needed to be there. Because I didn't leave prematurely. I left mature enough to be married. <clears throat> That's a lot of maturity. Amen. Really, I, I, I didn't leave the home until I got married. I stayed in the home until the time to walk down the aisle. I mean, I stayed in that home. 
I got as much because, you know, hey, two and a half years in the home, sheesh, it's equivalent to. How long has Grace been waiting? I'm just kidding. <laughs> How long has Libby been waiting? Uh, see, God knows, God understands. Divine impulses have to come first for now. See, Jesus is trying to tell us, then is what I'm trying to tell us here this morning. Don't minimize the importance of a divine first impulse. They are so important. He wants us to emphasize, and he wants to emphasize divine impulses. They're very precious. Uh, you ever seen, whenever they have a furnace, and then they put stuff in there, and it's heated up. See, once you bring that thing out, you got to shape it right away. It's important you shape it quick. Because if you don't, it's going to cool off. Then it's going to be too late. That's what our homes do, right, guys? Isn't it hot in the home? And let me just tell you something. It's important that we keep the heat up in the church, too. Ah, it's good enough for the goose. It's good enough for us ganders. We got to keep it hot here. We can't have Mickey Mouse tip-tooling through the tulips kind of sermons. That's, a, that's not a furnace. Uh, easy believism, they called it back in the days. German theologians. Just a little, you know, tickle your ears and you go ahead and God bless you, just pay your tithes. No, pay your tithes and there's more. There's more, yes. Uh, you got to keep up the heat here. If we're going to shape you into the person God wants you to be. God's a great goldsmith. Not a blacksmith. Goldsmith. He's shaping gold, buddy. Gold. There's gold in their bills. That's why you shape the object. Huh? And you make it into whatever you want to. And you have to move quickly. Because soon the, the cooling period comes. And that object will take on a permanent shape. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. Okay. Where and when to certain people, those, those precious moments have come in their lives. You best take advantage of them right now. That's what was happening with these guys' lives. They were in the furnace. They were in the fire. And if you would wait too long, uh-uh. You got to do it now. How many men that I have seen and people come in and they leave our homes prematurely and, you know, that's why we even say you can't eat candy. I've been in jail. I don't know about you. But in jail, you could hear the guys that were selfish, they didn't want to share. Around 2.30 in the morning, you could hear them in the cell. You could hear the candy wrappers coming undone. <clears throat> but you do the same thing in the home on fast day. I had one guy one time cry, cry like a baby. He says, that was me. That's why I am the way I am today. Because I used to open up candy bars at 2.30 in the morning on fast. And we weren't supposed to be doing that. You got to take advantage of those molten moments when God is dealing with our lives. Go for it. Do it. Do it now. Take advantage of the opportunity right now because it may never come again tomorrow. It might not. Moments like these, when the fire of the Holy Spirit is burning inside of our hearts, are when we need to respond positively to those first impulses, God's promptings in our lives. It's at moments like these that even God can change anybody. Remember when you got saved? It was at a moment and a time and a place 
just like this. Who knows what could have happened if you would have put it off? Who knows what could have happened? Huh? I thank God that I responded during those times. Now, as I get close to closing, there are a number of things that can bring on these divine impulses, these precious moments, when we're open to the things of God. But we can never tell when they will happen. So it's eternally important to take advantage of them. That's why I've chosen to preach this sermon here on, on getting ready for New Year's, during Christmas. Because you never know when they're going to happen. When somebody's heart is open to the goldsmith. Uh, sometimes these things happen during illness and infirmities. They can bring on these, these precious moments. My father was in the hospital. That's why I'm here today. Because he had an infirmity back in those days, back in the 50s. And they, he had to go to the hospital. But that's when he opened up his heart to God. That's when I started going to church as a young man. You never know when these moments are going to occur. But illness has a way of doing that. How many of you are here today, really, in a sense, because, because of a funeral? Uh, funeral services. Some of you are here today because you, you, you've been to some funerals. I mean, we've had some very, very memorable uh, uh, funerals in, in our church that have been really, really the furnace was up. Remember when Herman Navarro died, John? A lot of your family's here today because they rededicated their lives. I think Lupin rededicated her life that day. Our prayer leader. Because at, at, at Herman's, Herman's funeral, they all came. And a lot of the family's coming tonight. Huh? Because of what happened at the funeral. Renee, I think that was the greatest funeral of all time. Gilbert Cisneros was great. But Renee's funeral was like powerful. Uh, and now our head usher's here. Because of the funeral. Uh, he didn't want to hear the gospel. Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. So sad. But Renee's glad. Uh, he was a soldier, that man. Great soldier. Powerful guy. Never, no, no big leader. Wasn't no big leader. With a title. But man, you know, he wasn't playing games. He loved the Lord. Molten moments. Moments when you're open. When God can come and get you. And make you to the person he wants you to be. Divine impulses in our lives. So again, we can use these impulses for our benefit at moments like these. When Jesus is telling us, follow thou me. It's when we should respond favorably and say, I will follow you. Period. See, what you and I do with our godly impulses, they are going to determine what will become of us. And those of us who we're going to affect. Things that I call, choose to call mushy moments. Mushy moments must be turned into actual actions. Took me a long time to write that, so I'm going to say it again. <laughs> mushy moments must be turned into actual actions. Because these guys just, they said, I'll follow you, but they didn't. They didn't turn into actual actions. It was just verbiage. Just talk. I'll follow you, but first. Uh, see, faith without works is dead. Impulses without actions are also dead. And Jesus knew that. That's why he treated these guys seemingly hard and harsh. See, impulses are like the manna that used to rain. Remember Jesus used to bring manna and quail in the Old Testament? Remember that? 
If you didn't use that manna that day, the manna was no good manana. It was no good tomorrow. You got to do it today. I love that song and I was going to request it. Tomorrow. Jesus said, you know, here I stand. Won't you please take my hand? And you said, I will tomorrow. Sounds pretty good. Jesus said, manana. No, 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 no. Manana never comes. Manna was not for manana. The manna that Jesus would, God would bring down was for today. Use it or lose it. Today. Divine impulses. Uh, let your first impulses have priority. Because if you snooze, you lose, and everybody else does as well. When it comes to the things of God, your first thoughts are usually your best thoughts. Theme for my message today. When it comes to the things of God, your first thoughts are usually your best thoughts. I remember one time, and have a little bit of time, a young guy from the neighborhood came up to me and says, you know what, Steve? I see you walking down the street, and I want to be like you. Wow. Well, now I want people to be like me too. I want people to, you know, maybe I can be a pastor someday. Yeah, I hope you could. But maybe you can't be a pastor because not all of you can, but you can live for God. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, and some of you, sometimes you hear preaching, you say, man, I'd like to do that. I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to bring good to the, good cheer to, to planet Earth. You can. Those are your divine impulses that God gives to you. To do something good. Uh, first thoughts. I use your best thoughts. Better than your second thoughts. I will, but doubt can be destructive. Postponement can be paralyzing. Manana. I'll put it off later. See, we can be getting a spiritual chivalrous courage in our lives. Godly impulses upon our lives. Especially during these times, these seasons of holidays. To do our best for Almighty God. Uh, but then doubts can come and, and mess with us. Uh, and we'll never be able to do anything big and significant for God. Those moments are gone and lost. See, if we would depend, if, excuse me, if we would respond with a ready and willing spirit to each and every heavenly impulse that God brought our way, what a difference we could make in the kingdom of God and on this planet, on this earth. Uh, we would be such influential people. Thermostats versus thermometers. Remember that? We'd be thermostats rather than thermometers. And that's what God wants us to be. Thermometers change with the temperature. Thermostats change the temperature. That's what God wants us to be. That's what Chuck's going to Indonesia, to be a thermostat, to change the temperature, not to let the temperature change him. Huh? John 12, 36, and with this I close. John 12, 36. What divine impulse are you getting here today? 
to be involved, to, do, to, to be different, to be better this coming new year, this coming holiday season. Uh, because again, the call to Victory Outreach is a very chivalrous, courageous call. But I'll tell you something. We need reinforcements. We need individuals that are going to come and help us out. Uh, John 12, 36. King James Version says, while you have the light, believe. The sun doesn't always shine. While you have the light, believe in the light. The sun is not, we don't live in a continuous noonday environment. Do you hear what I said? John chapters 1 and chapter 3 are full of Jesus calling himself the light of the world. And that's what he did on Christmas. He said, a great light has come <coughs> to illuminate. But you're not always going to have the light. While you have the light, believe. While this Christmas holiday season, your heart is open. Your mind is illuminated. Decide today. Some of you, this could be. You might, you might not have this opportunity again. Maybe that's why God chose for me not to preach real crazy like I always do, get real yelling. Because I like to do that. But I can't. But God wants you to make a somber decision here today. The light shining upon your life. While you have the light, believe. Because you're not always going to have the light. Years ago, I spoke on this scripture, and I've chosen to use it again today. And I'm going to bring that sermon out during Vision, vision uh, Month, because we're going to have Vision Month during the year. Because to me, it's a very, very powerful scripture. While you have the light, believe. But in that message, I use this illustration that I'm going to use right now. In my house, just like in your house, and my bedroom's pretty big now. I will go and take off my contacts over here. Where's where my, I have my own little place, wash basin. My wife has hers. I can't touch it. Okay, sorry. Uh, we're talking about time and space. All right. And so I take, you know, like this, I take off my contacts. But when I go, I mean, you know, I have to go pretty far. And so, but the light's right here. And I got to look. Especially with somebody like me who doesn't have their mother living with them anymore. Who knows what I could have left between here and over there. <clears throat> and I could leave all kinds of stuff because... Hasn't it happened to you? Are you coming to bed, Steve? Boy, am I coming to bed. You know. So I have to 
while I have the light, I have to readjust my course, correct and adjust where I'm going. This Christmas, this holiday season, while you have the light, readjust your course. Some of you are headed in the wrong direction. You're not going right. While you have the light, believe what you're going to do. Have faith and readjust your course to do what God has called you to do. I'm going to get back because I want to make it to heaven. I want to make it to where God wants me to be. I want God's plan for my life to come to fruition, to come to pass. And I'm going to adjust my course. That's what you need to do today. While you have the light, because this coming year, I don't want to hear about, oh, guess what happened to so-and-so? He tripped over his shoes. He's not here no more. He left this. He went over there because he didn't adjust his course while he was listening to an illuminating sermon like today. Jesus is the light of the world. While you have Christmas, believe it. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Because every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Where do you need to adjust your life? Where do you need to correct your course? Maybe it's to be a better husband. Maybe it's to be a better husband. Because that's been my period of adjustment these last few months. Maybe it's to be a committed Christian. I don't have a lot of problem with that, but maybe some of you do. Maybe it's to tithe and give and be effectual. Maybe it's to be a better prayer word. Maybe it's to, to get involved in a ministry here. We need reinforcements. I just said that a few minutes ago. We need people that are going to come and join the team and get on board. Maybe it's to evangelize more because we haven't been evangelizing as we should. Make a commitment to that. Is there a hitter's bowed and eyes closed? I believe the light of God's word and God's spirit is illuminated upon your lives. And he's brought out some places where you need to make an adjustment. You need to make a correction. Because there's Many, many moments, especially throughout the week, that you're not listening to tapes. You're not, you're not here in God's very presence. You go out there to a dark world. And if you don't make adjustments in messages and sermons on Sundays, Wednesdays, your devotional times in the morning, the evening, you can wreck out there. You can trip over chairs. trip over shoes because you didn't make an adjustment when you heard a sermon like this. Hard love or hardly love? 